Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Dave Slipka. We're going to talk about the card shows of the 2000s with primarily looking at the Nationals. There were other big shows during that decade. We'll allude to that, but uh, we'll have a nice walk down memory lane with uh, my friend Dave. But thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hudson Scott Auctions, as well as Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. In that decade of the 2000, we're not talking about 2000 to 2020. That's too much to cover in one episode, but Dave and I are going to talk about it from about 2000 up through about 2010, which means that not all the sponsors were attending those. I think toward the end, you pick up ComC. Toward the end, maybe you pick up Panini. Other than that, everybody else. Yeah. I don't know if this is what you were getting at as part of that, Jim, but there was a period of time where Tops was not participating. And I can't remember if that was in the 2000s or the teens, but I think it was more in some of the 2000s. And one thing that uh, stood out to me is their toe in the water return after being away a few years was with a ETOPS booth. And that was in Cleveland. That and around the early 2000s then, right? It was a Cleveland one. So it was either 04 or 07. Okay. I don't think oh, it was 2001. What? 2001. ETOPS was... Some of those first ETOPs were the early 2000s, I thought. Correct, correct. But this was not a, for a launch. This was more after it was well-established. Okay, okay. Well, maybe so it was really one of the first times you, you saw ETOPs cards in quantity physically in person. That's one thing that I remember. One thing that stands out is that there was four Clevelands going from 01, 04, 07, and 09. That's a, a big part of that decade. And a lot of stuff happened at those shows in Cleveland. Well, you pointed out, and I totally agree. Is that when you look back at a decade, it's now been 10, 15, 20 years. It's hard to remember what happened at which show, for, for especially for the Clevelands, a whole bunch of them in Chicago. If they were just one show per location, you'd say, yeah, I remember seeing somebody there, buying something there. But yeah, they run together in my mind, too. My mind. Yeah. There, there's only certain things that help me have things uh, identify the particular year. And, and when I think of the 2001 Cleveland National, to me, that was the Tiger Woods show. That was the entrance of Upper Deck into golf and the first Tiger Woods rookie card, quote unquote. And that was just, to me, that's one of the things that dominated that show. That product was going crazy. That individual card was going crazy. Beckett was there, which I believe for its only second time with grading. And that was a, a huge factor uh, as well. JSA had entered the market for autograph authentication. And those are the things that I remember about the 2001 Cleveland show. 2001, uh, our company, were you selling ads for the golf magazine or were you involved in that? Because we, we had a quasi partnership with Upper Deck on the golf magazine to help promote that category. But was that part of your... Uh, Absolutely. I, I was in ad sales at, at that point and working with all the uh, major manufacturers and Yes, they were very aggressive with the golf magazine and all the magazines at that point. That just as we began that decade, I, I was already removed from day-to-day -day price guide stuff. I guess you were too, because yep. you're doing you know more of a, the ad, uh, doing such a great job on the ads. But so I felt like I was an executive. And so roaming around the national as an executive didn't feel as uh, much fun as going around as a senior price guide analyst, which I really enjoyed doing in the 80s and the 90s. But the 2000s, yeah, I just was, I was still getting around a little bit, looking for stuff a little bit, but not with the same intensity. And I think it wasn't as much fun for me. But Because your transition from business person to collector was not complete yet. I mean, you're comfortable now. <laughs> back, back then, you, were, I, you had a foot in both that, worlds. But that was the decade where, where that happened. There are a lot of people that say, I collected in the 90s and then came back in the last 10 years. 
So this episode is going to be for a lot of people that that missed the 2000 to 2010. And, and they were still good shows. They weren't as good as it is now, but they were still some good shows there. True, but I hear you leaning into something that I agree with that some of those were very forgettable and very bad. And there were even discussions of, is the national even viable anymore? There were some terrible shows. There were a lot of firsts and there were a lot of lasts. It was the decade that had the last Anaheim show, which was in 2006. That's the last West Coast show, which I think is, is bad. I want to get out to the West Coast. It is. And there, people don't always understand there are good reasons for that. And it's not for lack of trying. It's a facility situation. And I won't get into that too much. But yeah, people think, why don't they need to be in Anaheim? Yeah, I think everybody agrees, but it's just one of those things out of the committee's control. But yeah, 06, I remember that. I believe that was the last time we got to see one of the well-known promoters of the National there, Jack Picheselli. He had passed a cancer shortly after that show, I believe. And it was one of the last times we got to see him. He was a major influence in the hobby and the West Coast hobby. Certainly one of the unsung heroes. When you're partners with Mike Burkus, you're not going to be first chair a lot of times. Because, right. But he was a real unsung hero. Really. He was. Really made things happen and was a tireless worker. So again, he greatly missed. I probably should do a tribute to Jack. Yeah, I, I would say the majority of people listening probably don't know who he is or who he was. And, they should. And, yeah, they should. yeah he, was a, he was a good guy and he was, a, he was an important guy. And he was a, a quality pairing with Burkus because he wasn't Burkus. He was different. He was... He let Burkus run with the personality side and Jack with the nuts and bolts, and it, it worked. I totally agree. You know, let's see, 2003 was Atlantic City. Is Glad that you brought what that you're up. referring to? <laughs> that is probably, when I think of the 2000s or when I think of any show, that is probably the worst national I had ever been to in terms of attendance. Worse than Atlanta? In my memory, yes. Okay. I can recall setting up the, the Beckett booth on one of the first days and you're always scrambling, trying to get things done at the last minute, make sure everything's in place, make sure everything's going. And I was working on things and, and I was, you know, looking around and thinking, when are they going to open the doors? And then somebody said, hey, they've been open an hour. <laughs> Dave, come on. I don't know if that was Friday, but it, it was bad. And I, there were some of those aisles national. You can look, you can look a couple hundred yards. It seems like down the aisle and I'm not seeing a soul. I have the picture in my mind's eye that thinking, Wow. Wow. I just can't believe this. Yeah, I was there, you know, I yeah. believe you, but it, it runs together for me. Like I said, I don't think I had a sense of purpose in that decade. Uh, the first half of it, I was still the CEO, kind of the owner of Beckett Publications. But then in early 05 is when I sold the company. And, and then I went to the 05 National kind of just as advisor and a friend and helper to Peter Goodmanson, who come in and was installed as the CEO by the, the new ownership group and got a chance to introduce Peter. And so most of the 2000s decade after that, I think I just remember walking around and meeting friends. I didn't really have any collecting objectives. Like I said, I was a little bit in collecting limbo. I wasn't doing the price research. I wasn't trying to get type cards for the Almanac, although I'd point something out to Rich or somebody, but I didn't really have a collecting goal. So again, that's another sports card insight. If you go to the national, you ought to have a goal. And it's a yeah. worthy goal to just reconnect with old friends. And I did that. I had some, I'm sure I've always had a couple of nice dinners. It seemed when it was with a company or even afterwards of, of people that are just there and talking cards. So that, that was great. But I just remember those years just going, enjoying being there. And what that meant for me is that I only stayed a couple of days, whereas now I, I maximize it. Mm -hmm. So that's a statement of, of affirmation that the hobby's more fun for me now. And I think it's more fun for a lot of people. And there's a lot of new people that are finding out that there really is a lot of fun to it. 
There's no question it's more vibrant now than it, it, it was at that time. 2003 Atlantic City wasn't all negative. There, there is one of my major regrets in the hobby happened from that show, and that is that Kiss was appearing. Oh. So you could get your photo with Kiss at that show, and I didn't do it and because I thought it was too expensive then, but now it's probably four to five times that. So that, that was unique in that they had Kiss at the National. Well, yeah. Were they playing? Are they no, no. Just showing up for autographs and 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 photos. Yep. Yeah, I love the connection. Rich and I get into that about the music and sports. That there's passion in both those. But let's see a bunch of Chicago shows that were during that decade. Yep. That's the benefit of having great regular shows as opposed to just a national. So it's not if that it, it, it comes you know, like Atlantic City. There's really was nothing there except an occasional national as you look back over the years of huge shows. There's some autograph shows at some, at some point, but Chicago had the collector shows that were in some of those same venues. And that was really the heyday of the Chicago Sun-Times show, the George Johnson shows, right. highly successful, big shows that would happen around Thanksgiving. George was a fantastic promoter there in Chicago during that decade and the one uh, prior, the national would, in some senses, was less special there than anywhere else because they had huge shows at other times of the year. But it was always a great collecting city, and like you said earlier, even though they had three in the two thousands, they all blur together. It's hard to think of individual things that happened at, at each. Okay, if I make a statement that I think Cleveland was a great site for the national at, 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 at certainly for many of those times. I won't say every time, but there, there were some really good shows in Cleveland because it's a great baseball city. But Chicago, almost all the shows were great. And it's because Chicago is a great sports city. So do you agree with that? I agree with that. Because you got the Blackhawks, you got the Bears, you got the Cubs and the White Sox. And and going back then, let's go pre-LeBron, you could say the Cleveland barely had a basketball team and did not have a hockey team. So they're, they're on unfair ground there. While Chicago has had all four, actually, you know, five, because they had two baseball teams and a long tradition. Uh, and the centralized location, it's just hard to argue it from any standpoint. And, and I was a big fan of the Cleveland location and a fan of the facility. And it was really sad for me to hear that they're, they're closing that thing down. They may be destroying it. I don't know. What's There's got to be a good reason. They can't destroy it, though. They need to implode it. And the implosion, in most of the IX Center underground, uh, it's a bunker. I, apparently, I haven't seen all of it underground. Other than the, the restroom facilities is a unique place, and having the the Ferris wheel in the middle of the thing, and the places to eat along the side—not the greatest food, but at least it was available and nearby. And variety, yeah, right. Yeah, it was also in that decade the first, if you count twenty ten, the first Baltimore show. I am counting 2010, and I think Baltimore. That first Baltimore, I guess there were a couple of them, and I, I run them together. But I think that was a cool location. It was a cool, you know, place to be right in the middle of stuff. I really got a kick out of that. Yeah, I think I, I have greater memories of the city yeah. for that first show than I do the show. The show seemed to be a little cramped, and, and it was still just getting its feet on the first time through Baltimore. I think the second time, two years later in 2012, was a little bit more successful. But as a city, you're right. It was in the heart of things, and you, you can get great food in walking distance and hotels in walking distance. And I, I definitely enjoyed that location. Okay, last question, because I kind of disclosed my journey over that decade, going from being an executive to being an observer and just a, a fan and just connecting with friends. Dave, how did your role change and your enjoyment change over that decade? Because again, you're a lifer like me. During that 
decade, <clears throat> I was pretty much solidified as the um, ad rep for all the major card manufacturers. So <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of change in that standpoint. I believe that from my hobby standpoint, I was forced to take a step back just because I was so busy on the business side. And that was always difficult because I could spend a whole national at a show as an ad rep and I could spend a whole national at a show as a collector. <laughs> there just wasn't enough time <clears throat> in the whole thing for me to do everything. And I always felt like I missed things, but definitely not complaining. My years as an ad rep and working with all the card companies you know, set my agenda for really the rest of my life and was probably some of the most enjoyable times because working with the people in those car companies and the relationships that I set up, many of them that I still have today was just a, a fantastic experience. That's a great note to end on. Cause I feel like when I'm meeting with my old friends here, I realize that when people think about the good old days, many people that work in a certain industry think they have to go to their industry's trade show. Whereas in our industry, you get to go. Yes. <laughs> and you, you loved it. It was your people, my people as well. And we, we had a great time. So Thanks, Dave. Thanks, listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man